Hey guys, Pastor Jurgen here. I'm so glad you're tuning into one of our powerful messages that is guaranteed to absolutely elevate your life to another level. At Awaken, we only want to preach fresh, real, powerful to help you grow stronger in your walk with God, develop your faith so you can take more territory. I'm praying that God blesses you and enriches your soul as you listen to this amazing Word from God. God bless you. It's wonderful to be here with you. We are going to have a great night. God has something He wants to say to us. You can, you know what, before you grab your seats actually, just lift your hands. I need this, you may need this. Just like, just release, release to God every burden, every care, every worry, everything that you came carrying in, do this action. It's like a, there's nothing in it except, it's, it's just like a, a physical action that has a, a spiritual re- revelance where I am releasing to God what I cannot carry. All the pain, all the shame, all the words spoken, all the drama of today, and the kids did that, and the husband did this, and the wife won't listen. Get it all off, get it all out. Because Jesus wants to speak to you, San Marcos Campus. He has something He wants to say to you tonight. Oh, He loves you so deeply. And He's been way more eager for this evening even than I have been and I'm very eager to bring this word to you. So go ahead and grab your seat. It's uh, like a fire shut up in my bones. We just came back from Israel. How many of the Israel crew do I have? Give me a shout. That was a fun time, you guys. Awaken taking over Israel. I don't know whether they'll ever be the same. The holy land that I have dubbed now the fun and holy land. (laughs) We went in and we... uh, we added a word. Uh, we just had, had the greatest time. It was fantastic, but there's no place like home. And I'm excited to share with you this evening. How many people have never heard me minister before? Okay, yeah, like a, a decent amount. All right, okay, good, good, good. All right, yep, get ready. So how many of you are aware of the Asbury revival that kind of made news? around the nation just recently. And uh, there, there was some opinion pieces. And you know, we're in a, an age where everybody has an opinion. It's frightfully annoying. Like social media has given every man and his dog a platform, literally every man and his dog. How many dogs do I know that have Instagram handles, right? And, and there were some people piping off, well, is it a legitimate revival? And I'm not sure and that, for the love of all, that is holy. If people are having an encounter with God, stop dicing up what it is and what it isn't. And thank God that young people in a college are having an encounter with God. Thankfully, Gen Z, of of all the generations that needed a power encounter with God, it's Generation Z. There there has been no more generation than this one that has been so immersed in a cynical culture uh, and also they've been the collateral damage of a level of hypocrisy, not just in the world, but also in the church that has kind of made them a little bit gun shy. So they've become suspicious. So they've they've been almost like baptized in this cynical culture. How wonderful is God? 
that at a college campus in Kentucky, he says, I'm going to wipe away all your cynicism and I'm going to give you an encounter with my presence and you're going to be marked as a generation of men and women of faith who have had an encounter with God. So I call it a revival and I'm happy to see it. I, I want more of it. I, I, wanted to, I want to now say this. I want to say what happened in Asbury was not the Alpha and the Omega, the start and the finish. It was literally the beginning. A revival is not just meant to be a moment that is encapsulated in a time in history that lasts for just a season. God is actually wanting us to be partners with him in a sustainable revival, living in a constant state of revival. So I haven't had an opportunity to preach this message yet. It took me a while. I know Asbury was kind of something that maybe isn't in our, the forefront of our minds anymore, but I still want to preach this because I really do believe that God is calling us to be sustainable revivalists. And, and, as, and as much as we like to just reduce it down to an encounter, there are some principles attached to us actually being people who help God facilitate a sustain, sustainable revival in our nation and our city. So I want to talk about the four R's of a sustainable revival today. And it is going to get a little bit spicy because it's, it's the truth bomb series, right? So, I mean, I feel like we should just call ourselves the truth bomb church. Truth be told, like... We have a truth bomb series. It's, it's quite hilarious um, since that's, you know, just another day at Awaken Church. But, but I'm, I'm, I'm going to go there with you. I, I want to talk about this because I, I, I so believe in the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ and, and the church's responsibility in this hour to be good stewards of what God is pouring out. The prophet prophesied in the last days, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Now, we have a responsibility when that spirit is poured out to make sure it's not something that starts and ends in a college campus, but something that lights a fire of flame across this entire nation. So how do we sustain a revival? Well, I'm glad you asked. I have four things that I want to share today. The first one is going to be seen in how we handle our relationships. I'm going to make it very practical for, for a second. When God created Adam at the very beginning, the Bible tells us in Genesis chapter 2, that God formed Adam, or man, from the dust of the, of the earth and then breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And Adam became a living being. When you look at the Genesis story, the creation story, everything else God created, he spoke. But when it came to man, when it came to you and I, he stopped speaking and he started forming and then he put his own breath in our body. And then he placed Adam in the garden and a few things happened and then he brought to Adam a BFF, a best friend by the name of Eve. So he's setting up these relationships, a relationship with God and a relationship with another person, with a friend, a wife, a spouse, whatever it may be. In this case, obviously, it was a man and a woman becoming one and getting married. It's interesting to me that when sin entered, the first thing to break down was both those relationships. Yeah. Right. 
Uh, and we see it straight away. What's Adam's confession when God comes down? Adam, where are you? We heard your voice in the garden and I was afraid, so I hid. So God, it's your fault because you're scary. And then when Adam's pressed further, the woman you gave me. Oh, it, it's a tale as old as time. It's never our fault, is it? We blame God and then we blame others. A sustained revival is where you and I get our stuff together relationally. When the world looks in at us, they don't want to see the same drama and the same mess. It first starts with a reconciliation between God and man, which, which Jesus came and died for us to have repaired. Now, let me say this to you. You're going to encounter a lot of funny business sometimes in church because church is full of people. I've been around, I feel like the female version of Methuselah sometimes. I, I'm only 48, but I feel like I've lived a thousand lives because I've been in ministry that long and I, I'm telling you, I've seen it all. Yeah. Yeah. And if you hang around long enough, my friends, you're going to see it all. Yeah. Yeah. That's why the preeminent relationship in your life has to be this one. That's why when we have an altar call or a revival and we make an introduction to God, it cannot stay as an introduction. You have to get to know him because when the poop hits the fan, and it will, when the pastor has a bit of a fall or does something you don't like, I need to know that you're not saved unto a man, that you're saved unto God. Otherwise, you'll be walking out that door not letting the door hit you where the good Lord split you. In Australia, many, many, many moons ago, uh, I mean, look, if I had a dollar for every church scandal, please. There, there was this one incident where a worship leader faked that he had cancer and wrote a song. That was fantastic, by the way. But it, but it all came out and it was, like made national news. I remember someone saying to me, oh my gosh, so many people are going to fall away because of this. I remember thinking to myself, why? He didn't hang on the cross for you. He, he didn't die for your sins. He doesn't make intercession to the Father for you. What you're revealing is the fact that you weren't saved beyond an introduction. You didn't get to know God. So when man falls, your faith gets thrown out with him. God came to repair this relationship. I love you as your pastor, Pastor Jürgen loves you, Pastor Matt and Michaela love you. We are shepherds, but we will never replace God for you. And we will let you down. I'm sorry, I don't want to do it. And I apologize for things in the past and the things that I will do in the future. <laughs> However, I will say to you today, the greatest relationship, the preeminent relationship you will ever have is your relationship with God, and I can't live that for you. I can be your encourager. Pastor Jürgen and I can lead you. We can be good shepherds. We can, we can comfort you when you're sad. We can help you. But we can't live your Christianity and your faith for you. Your relationship with God is your relationship with God. You know how you keep that relationship with God? How you got it. You need some God breath in you every single day. And God breathed life how you stay alive and you're not like the walking dead is you let heaven, God, breathe into you daily. Because I'm telling you, man's breath do not satisfy. It's stale. It's unpleasant. I can understand people wearing masks at that point. 
My friends, what's the difference between you and me? Nothing. There is no difference between you and me. The same God that I speak to wants to speak to you. The same God that I take time daily in the morning, just like King David said in Psalm number five, my voice you shall hear in the morning, I will look up to you, is the same God that you can lift your voice to in the morning. Your relationship with God, Jesus paid a very high price for it to be reconciled. Don't treat it casually, don't treat it cavalierly. Your relationship with God is your responsibility. And if you run out of church because another person was an idiot, you're an idiot too. Hang in there, hang in there. Pastor Michaela gave me permission. In Jesus' name. Okay, so the, the, other, part, the other part of that is the, is the relationship because it, it, it's not lost on me that the cross had a beam pointing upwards, reckon, like illustrating our reconciliation to God the Father and the repair of that relationship, but then also outwards, signifying our relationship reconciliation with one another. Most of us would say that the most valuable thing that we possess in life is other people, relationships. The most valuable thing to me is a relationship. I I reckon if I did a poll and went by every person, you would say that. But isn't it interesting that we would say relationships are the most valuable, important thing to us, and yet we don't want them to cost us anything? Oh, we can pipe off all day long about how valuable they are, but the minute it costs us something, like patience, (laughs) costing me some patience. And and God is so ingenious because he put put us in this beautiful little Petri dish of called the church where you're going to have to sit next to people that maybe aren't your first choice. And you're going to have to sit by people who you have to call your brothers and sisters in Christ, and they're perhaps not your preference. And they're going to rub you up the wrong way, kind of like the ark with Noah. I mean, he had every type of animal in there. And you might find that one day you sat next to a trumpeting elephant, the next a snapping crocodile, a cheeky monkey, Pastor Jürgen. There is nothing like the church or community to outwork in you the fruits of the Spirit. You, do you know you, you actually don't need the fruits of the Spirit if you're alone? What do I need patience for? Kindness. I've got no one to be kind unless you are Tom Hanks on an island with a volleyball. You are the only person that is disqualified from having to access the fruits of the Spirit because you are around other people. Relationships will cost you. It will cost you forgiving when you don't want to forgive. And can I be honest with you? There are way too many bitter Christians. And you just don't get to be bitter. You don't get to stay resentful. You don't get to hold on to unforgiveness. You don't get to give that person the stink eye from the other side of the building. You don't get to. And if you want to, then you need to change religions because this is a religion of love. 
This is a religion of reconciliation between God and man and man and man. It's going to cost you. It's going to cost you saying sorry. I hate saying sorry. But I value relationships, so I say it anyway because I need to. Because it's not just a nice thing to say or a cute little thing to post on Instagram. This is my life. I want a sustained revival. I want to make an impact in my lifetime. I don't, I'm, I'm a dead woman walking. I don't get to decide today if I want to be nice. I don't get to decide today whether I'm going to nurse that grudge or not. I don't, I don't get to decide if I want to spend my whole life introverted when God's called me to go out into the whole world and make disciples. And, and I'm going to be very honest with you. The older I get, now I'm not old, I know that. I need to stop saying that. I'm only 48, but I am about to be grandma, which is very exciting. The, the older I get, the more responsibility I get, the more the thought of being alone sounds so wonderful. I, I'm going to be honest. I was never, as I've gotten older, I find myself wanting to become more introverted. However, the calling on my life and the calling on your life as a sustained revivalist, yes, I've named it, is that we need to do some things sometimes because we value relationships that maybe aren't our first preference. I, I don't want to go to your birthday party with 100 people, but I will because I value friendships. I don't want to necessarily forgive you and get over it quickly when you talk about me behind my back and betray me, but I will because I value relationships, this one and that one. And the, the, Bible, the Bible is really clear. doesn't mean we're unwise. doesn't mean we allow ourselves to be abused. But we do understand and see that relationships are the preeminent thing. The Bible tells us in the book of 1 Corinthians, Paul speaking, he said that the Lord has made us ministers of reconciliation. We, we need to really let that sober us. So there are so many things in my life I have had to die to flesh, die to my first preference. I, and if I can be honest with you, I'm just so over that in Christians. Like God has not empowered you to be who you need to be to fulfill what he's called you to fulfill. Like you can't tell yourself no. Yeah. Right. Oh, but I felt it. So? And? Yeah. Next? Yeah. What do I do when I don't feel like it? You do what's right. Yeah. You do what's right. Yeah. And there's a reason that Jesus said, love your neighbor. Do you know why? Because <laughs> they're the closest to you. It's very hard to love someone who's the closest to us. That's why a lot of people, and now I'm not disparaging missions, so please don't put words in my mouth, would prefer to engage outside and not be engaged local because they love me over here. Yeah, because they don't know you. But what about when you're up close and personal and I see some stuff? Ooh, and there's going to be some challenge on it. And it's going to get spicy. And it's going to get spicy for you and it's going to get spicy for me. Because I allow myself to be immersed in the petri dish of the church and I allow myself to be sharpened, like the Bible says, because relationships are preeminent. Amen, Leanne. I will drink to that. 
The second R for sustaining the revival is the R of responsibility. So God has called us to be reconcilers relationally to God and to man, but then he gives us a job, an assignment, a call, and not a single one of us is exempt from this. Even Adam, God bless him, he's made, the first thing God does is plomp him in a garden and tells him to tend it and keep it. Wasn't even his garden, he got to enjoy it, absolutely, but it was God's garden. Jesus was a carpenter, he had a trade, but he was also the hero that would save the world. He, he outworked the assignment that God had put on his life. Right. Every single one of us have a God assignment. Yeah. Every single one of us have been entrusted with something that God wants us to develop on during our time on planet Earth. Not one single one of us is exempt from this. Yeah. And you know that gifting that's in you? that God's given you, maybe it's one talent, maybe it's five, maybe it's 10, who knows? It's actually not for you, it's for me. It's for these guys. The, the gifting on my life, look, I would have been quite happy to never set foot on a stage and never fulfill what God had given me because it represented fear and it triggered all my insecurities and all the things I didn't wanna face within myself, but God had given me an assignment. He'd given me a responsibility that I had to multiply. But the gifting that's on my life to teach and to communicate and to lead isn't for me, it's for you. The gifting on your life isn't for you, it will bless you, but it's for me, it's for everybody else. Samuel's epic ability to cheerlead from the front row and be the loudest man in every room which I personally appreciate. It blesses Samuel, but that gift is for me. The gift of encouragement on his life, sure, it's gonna bless him, but it's for me, it's for you. What has God put in your hand? Oh, I'm only a one-talent person, great, that's enough. Great start. I would call myself a one-talent person too, but baby, I'm gonna work that, I'm gonna whip that baby home. I'm gonna make sure that when the master returns that I say what you gave me, what you entrusted to me, my responsibility, I've multiplied it. Here it is, because I wanna hear the words, well done, good and faithful servant. Even Jesus said in John 17, four, he said to the Lord, I have brought you glory on earth. The gifting on your life, what God has entrusted you with, and, and only, each one of us can only be the knower of what that is. We can absolutely help you discover it, but ask the Lord, like, what is it? What is it that you've given me that I'm called to multiply for your glory, for the kingdom? Jesus said, I've brought you glory on earth by finishing the work you gave me to do. What is your God assignment, and are you doing it? This is how we sustain a revival. In Matthew 25, it's an interesting, like it's a, it's a masterclass in psychology. I love this particular scripture. Many of you know it. It's the parable of the talents. And the master comes back and holds all his servants to, a, to an account for the talents that he entrusted to each of them. And he comes to the final servant who'd been entrusted with one. And I could preach on this message forever because there's just so much information in here. But it says, starting in verse number 27, then the servant with the one bag, the one talent of silver, came and said, 
Master, I knew you were a harsh man, harvesting crops you didn't plant and gathering crops you didn't cultivate. I was afraid I would lose your money, so I hid it in the earth. I'm just telling you now, that's a lie, and I'm going to show you. Look, here is your money back. But the master replied, you wicked and lazy servant. He didn't call him fearful. He called him wicked and lazy. If you knew I harvested crops that I didn't plant and gathered crops I didn't cultivate, why didn't you deposit my money in the bank? At least I could have gotten some interest on it. Then he ordered, take the money from this servant and give it to the one with 10 bags of silver. And then he goes on to say, get this worthless servant and throw them into darkness where there is weeping and gnashing of teeth. Ouch. Savage Jesus. So, so what's the principle? What, what's one of the many revelations around this story. The master came back to look for interest on something that he had entrusted to his servant but not worked with his own hands. At the leading to this scripture, the wicked, lazy servant reveals not that he was afraid but that he's like, you know what? I don't want to work for somebody where I'm not going to get a personal return. I'll work for myself. I'll make money for me. I'll build my kingdom, but you've given me something that's not mine and you want me to work it and multiply it, Uh uh-uh. That's why the master said, not you're afraid, I'll come here, didems, but you are wicked and you are lazy because you will use all your strength, all your energy, all your resource, all your moxie, all your motivation for you and I've entrusted one thing to you and you buried it and then lied about it. Because you're selfish. I'm not talking to you guys, I'm talking about this guy. You asked for the spicy version, I'm giving it to you. Sixteen campuses. God asked us to come to San Diego and plan a church. And then all of a sudden he levels up. Sixteen. Sorry, did I say one sixteen? Sorry, did you not see the six? Yeah. And... Can I be very blatantly truth bummy honest with you? Oh, I was so happy with one campus. Oh, thrilled. Everybody knew everybody. Everybody was kind of happy. We could have prayer meetings at our house. And then people say, why did that church have to get bigger? I'm like, I know. I know. Why do you have to have more campuses? I know. I know. But it's this. I've been entrusted something. It's not my will. It's God's will be done. And all I'm called to do is be obedient and multiply what he's put in my hand. It's not about my preference. It's no longer I that liveth, but Christ that liveth in me. (laughs) It always makes me laugh. Why can't the church be small? I'm like, I have asked the Lord the same question. (laughs) Believe you me. You just want a big Kingdom. Yes, for the Lord, but not for me. Big kingdom equals big headache. (laughs) Lots of problems to solve. I'm doing this for him, not for me. And the little responsibilities, even just like the little responsibilities of being responsible in your own city. Can you imagine how we could sustain a revival that started in Asbury and let it spread into San Diego if everybody just did what they should do. If, if men didn't have babies with people they weren't married to, and then if they did, they took care of those babies. 
Like, let's just start there. Every dad taking care of their kids. Let's start there. Every, every mother taking ownership and stewardship for her home and how her children are raised. Imagine that. Imagine if we just did that. Imagine if every person just worked out between them and God what their service for the kingdom would be and they just did that. Less people would be burnt out because I wouldn't, or these people wouldn't have to be doing five people's jobs because other people were pretending like they didn't get the memo. I got my one talent, talent buried it because I'm seeing you're getting the reward and I'd rather keep it all for me. Well, how's that working for you when you get to the pearly gates? And the master comes back and he will looking for an account. Amen, Leanne. So imagine if we just, if we, if we took some responsibility in our city. So, so Pastor Jürgen talks about how um, God spoke to him and said he wanted Jürgen to, to clean up public restrooms, which is an odd request. But, but he received, heard the download and was obedient. And I, remember, I know that every time he tells that story in church, I sit on the front row and go, thank God. He, God didn't ask me to do that. I, thank you, Lord. But unfortunately, something shifted, and now the other Metesius has got the same burden. And I'm like, oh, God, please. I mean, really? And I walked into a restaurant that I frequent, and there was just, I mean, I don't know what people do in restaurants. It's like they walk up, uh, bathroom, restrooms, but it's like they walk up to the hand towels and just, and then walk into the toilet and get the toilet paper. Water fight. I could flush, but nah. Okay, this, this is kind of what we're dealing with in most public places. And I walk in and, oh my gosh, it is a hot mess and a spicy disaster. And, and, and I felt, that, yeah, no Pastor Jürgen because it's a women's restroom. No men allowed. America. That'll preach. <laughs> Somebody write that down. Send it to President Biden. Um, so anyway, I'm cleaning about. I, I first of all grab a paper towel as a shield, and I'm doing my due diligence, picking everything up, flushing, not looking, flushing. And a woman walks in and goes, "Oh, excuse me, do you work here?" And I just turned to her and I said, "Yes. <laughs> yes, I do." I do. She's like, oh, oh, perfect. I need some, this, this, this stall's out of toilet paper. I'm like, I'll, I'll get right on that. <laughs> but imagine if not just in the macro, the big, the big wheel, big wheelhouse stuff, we became servants to glorify God in the kingdom, but also the little stuff. Can you imagine how a revival will be sustained? And can I say, we're actually doing pretty good in San Diego. Like comparatively, I, let's, excluding downtown, we'll get to that. We need to get to that. But, but we're actually, we're taking some ground. We're, we're really taking some ground in this city. So let me encourage you, be, be a servant, take responsibility, not just for the big stuff, but for the little stuff too. That's how we sustain a revival. When nobody else is caring, when God's people care, when they do the things that nobody else wants to do and they start to, Approach life not just thinking about themselves. Imagine how much your life would change if you just stopped thinking about you all the time. 
Imagine how much better things would be if he got you off your mind. I'm, I'm so busy, not in an unhealthy way, in an appropriate way, that I don't have time to be depressed. Like, I, I, I don't. And if I even feel like I'm slightly getting blue, I call somebody and I cheer them up. And I'm not, I'm not lying to you, I actually do that. I'm like, you know what? There's gotta be someone who's feeling a little more down than me. I'm gonna find him and I'm gonna pour into him. Because the Bible says those who refresh others will be refreshed themselves. When we make God's responsibilities our responsibilities, then that's where a sustained revival happens in our city. Thirdly, and I know we're, we've got just a few minutes left, our representation. Relationships, responsibility, we all have one, and then our representation. How are we representing the Father? Can people see God in you? Let me take it one step further. How are you representing Awakened Church? How are you representing Pastor Jürgen and I as the shepherds and the pastors of this congregation when you go out and how you treat people and in one breath you say, oh, I go to Awaken and in the next breath you're falling down drunk at the bottom of the, the stairs of the club. How are you representing the Father? We are unashamedly fun and holy. We walk that line. We're not a legalistic, punitive church that is going to give you a whole bunch of rules that God didn't give you and try to tell you you need to be holier than God. But we're also not people who indulge in sin and cross boundaries and bring grief and blaspheme the name of God by our conduct. Can I encourage you, walk the line. Walk, walk that line of liberty and responsibility. I, I'm free, oh, I'm free. And the Bible tells us you are free to do anything you like. You're free, God's liberated you. But don't use your liberty as a license to sin. I, I love this about God. He's, he's 100% liberation and 100% holy all at once. Fun and holy. Let me give you a, a, an example. When we were in Israel, now I was very sad to miss this part, but uh, part of the tour was cruising around, or cruising is a crude way to put it, but sailing on, on the Sea of Galilee. And, you know, just seeing the footage and hearing Pastor Jürgen's recap of that moment, one of the most holy, sacred moments where I think few people were not moved to emotion and tears because of what they're experiencing. You know, this holy, sacred moment. Our whole boat of awakened church people crying out to God, worshiping God, enjoying this moment of closeness to, to the Lord in a place that holds so many memories for, for believers and the sacredness of that moment. And there were tears and it were, there was sacred silence and people sailed back into the shore and then our crew went for lunch. They went for lunch at a, uh, like it was a, a fish, a fish seafood restaurant. They did fish and chips, like what would Jesus eat? I don't know if they had deep fryers back then, but um, they did at this restaurant. So each person who came on the tour, and it was just our crew, um, got 
a plate of fish and chips and they were having fun and they were celebrating. And Pastor Jürgen said that the owner of the fish and chip shop, who was a Jewish woman, came up and said, hey, if I were to put music on, would your crew like it? And he's like, would they like it? Um, yeah, I think they will. However, it might be dangerous because we have to leave in 10 minutes. And if you put on music, I don't think we're going to make our next appointment. So she puts on music two hours later. There is a dance party happening at the seafood restaurant after having a sacred God moment with God on the lake. They're now dancing, celebrating, living life. From the oldest to the youngest. We had baby Leon cut in a rug. Up at my parents, slow dancing in the corner. Pastor Jürgen break dancing. I mean, it just, everything about it encapsulates who God is. Holy, reverent, full of awe and wonder at the magnificence of God, never taking that casually or lightly or for granted but life-giving, fun, dancing, enjoying life, enjoying one another. This is who our God is. How do you represent God? How do you represent God? Are you all holy or are you, are you all fun? Yeah. Jesus said this. He said, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of Herod. He was revealing something very important. In, in the last days, there's going to be so many spirits out there. I want you to be very watchful. This is what he said. He said, I want you to be watchful. I need you to see this so you know I'm not making it up. Mark 8, 15. Jesus repeatedly ordered them. An order, that's, that's quite, a, quite a significant word. This is his disciples saying, watch out. Beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of Herod. And I would say to you in your representation of Christ, we need to be careful and watchful of the same things because those two spirits rise at the same time. That pious, self-righteous, holier than thou, oh, that awakened church dancing. Yeah, you know what? You could do with some dancing and flip and get the sour look off your face and <laughs> maybe get some fresh air. Because you say you're standing for Christ, but you look like the devil. Or that I'm getting jiggy with it over here. Lots of fun, but no holy. Leading people astray, crossing boundaries, using God's grace and His mercy as some kind of divine eraser, but never actually allowing the Word of God to transform their life. We be very careful, watch for the leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of Herod. Walk the line, my friends, walk the line. We have so much fun at Cherish and we don't have to grieve the heart of God to do it. Amen, Leanne. I love, you know what, I love this scripture, I'm gonna read it to you and I'm trusting that you will be responsible with it. Ecclesiastes chapter number seven, verse 16. Do not be overly righteous, nor be overly wise. Why should you destroy yourself? Do not be overly wicked, nor be foolish. Why should you die before your time? It is good to grasp the one and not let the other slip from your hand. Walk the line, walk the line, fun and holy, fun and holy. 
For he who fears God will follow both warnings. That is very good. It's very, very good. And that's, that's the accurate representation of Christ right there. And sadly, I'm seeing a lot of mean Christians in the world. Like we, we've got two, two very distinct sides right now. We've got the reprobates that are trying to have our newborns wear Pride Month onesies at Target who are pushing a perverse, wicked agenda that absolutely needs to be resisted, called out and not tolerated. The reprobates, the leaven of Herod. But then on the, on the flip side, we have the Pharisees people who delight in pointing out everybody else's sin except their own. Oh, they're good at throwing stones. They just don't realise that they live in a glass house. And the Bible says that with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. So walk very circumspectly. How are you representing God? Because the Bible says that God so loved the world. Let's never forget that in our fight against evil, evil spirits, and it's a, it's a virtuous, valiant fight that we will engage in. But never, again, never ever forget our wrestle is not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers. And we are the church that stands against evil, but then also welcomes in and rehabilitates those who have been intoxicated, <laughs> bewitched, and defiled by it. That's how you facilitate a sustained revival. And finally, repentance. The final R, the most important R, is repentance. And it's a word that is, you know, maybe not seen too much light of day in many modern day churches. And it's such a shame because it's a game changer. The Bible tells us in the book of Acts, repent means to turn around and turn back to God so that your sins may be wiped out. And times of refreshing will come from the Lord. Doesn't it make sense to you that the devil would hijack the mouths of woke preachers to tell the congregation that they don't need to repent simply because he doesn't want God's people to live refreshed? I repent every day. You know why? Because I need to. I'm a rascal sometimes. And that's why God gave us the Lord's Prayer. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our sins. And when you say that, my friends, just wait a minute. What do I need to apologize to God for? What do I need to repent for? What do I need to turn around? It was so funny, just the other day, I was sitting doing my quiet time and, and praying that prayer. And God spoke to me so clearly. And he said, Leanne, you need to repent for the way you lashed out at your husband last night. I, I just, I, I remember I just walked into the bathroom. I'm like, I just feel like being mean right now. And I, I tossed a word at him. And I'm like, yeah, that'll learn you. I'm mad, so you're going to be mad too. And I, I went to bed feeling fine. And I woke up the next morning and I felt the... Oh God, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I'm so when was the last time you told God you're sorry? We're in a culture where everybody is well-versed with everybody else's sins. Oh, I know what you did last summer. Well, what about you? You're twice as bad. 
And here's the amazing thing, when we live our lives with a commitment and discipline to repentance, coming to God, allowing Him to speak to us, because sometimes there's hidden stuff, we don't see it, it's a blind spot, and God will reveal it. Because I would have said, well, Jürgen deserved that. But God's like, no, he didn't deserve that. And even if he did, what you did wasn't right. And you need to apologize to him, ouch, because of the relationship thing. And then you need to repent to me for being dishonorable. And so I did. And I've got to tell you, I wish that only happened to me one time, but it happens all the time. But just as more than I'm committed to doing the wrong thing, I'm committed to repenting and changing my ways and turning back around and coming to God in humility. Why would God call King David a man after my own heart? He was a, oh, he was, he, he was troubled in some ways. Let's think about it. Had an adulterous affair with somebody else's wife. Had that woman's husband killed secretly like conspired, like it was first degree murder, right? And yet at the end of his life, God says, this is a man after my own heart. Saul didn't have an affair with anyone. Neither did Ahab, probably because he was scared of Jezebel, but <laughs> neither of them on, well, in some ways on paper, it's like, God, this doesn't add up. What's, what's the difference here? What's the, I'll tell you what the difference is. Create in me a clean heart, O oh God, and renew a right, steadfast spirit within me. Restore unto me the joy of my salvation. O oh God, search me and know me. Test my every anxious thought. See that there be no wicked way within me and lead me in the life everlasting. That's what made him a man after God's own heart. You think you don't need repentance? You can't live without it. Your life depends on repentance. We wanna see a sustained revival in America, in San Diego, relationships, responsibilities, representation, and repentance. The prophet spoke in the, second, in the book of Second Chronicles and said, if my people will humble themselves, not, not the whole world, not the sin, sinning world, my people, you and I, if we will humble ourselves and pray and repent, turn from our wicked ways, God will hear from heaven and He will forgive our sins and He will heal our land. We wanna see revival, it starts with us. Revival starts with me. Revival starts with you. Stop looking outward when God wants you to look inward. Search me, oh God, search me. All right, we're gonna open up the altar right now. Stand to your feet. I know I've gone a little over time, but I really want to open up this altar for you to come to God. And if you need to repent for something, if you're, if you're carrying something, doing something, engage with something, or God's been speaking to you about something, don't leave with it. Leave it here today. Let the angels grab that trash that you discard and throw it back to hell from where it came, but don't walk out carrying it. Repentance is one of the greatest gifts that God has given us. And you know what? We can't repent in heaven. We can only do it here. And as real as this earth feels and today feels, there will come a day where the sky is gonna split and the trumpet is gonna sound, gonna sound and Jesus will come back and I want every single one of you with me. 
and I will cry. I will cry because there are tears in heaven, but I don't want to cry too many tears because I want you there. So if you need to come down the front and you need to repent today and surrender to God something that you've been carrying, you're like, yeah, I'm going to just come forward. I just, I want a clean slate. I want a fresh start. I need that time of refreshing. I'd like you to just come forward as we sing this song. Wow, what an amazing word. I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. Hey, listen, for more information about our church, go to www.awakenchurch.com or subscribe to our YouTube channel if you haven't already and download our app. It is amazing. It is chock full of incredible messages, information about upcoming events, and you can even support our ministry if you feel so inclined. We loved having you with us today. We look forward to seeing you again. God bless you. Live a life that is transformative. Bye for now.